We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Is anyone excited? Because I'm really excited. You won't be if it's a bomb. Don't kill the vibe, Graham. Can we open it? It's the right question. Hold to open. Hold to open. Yes, and what do you do? What do we actually know? This setting dials the temporal destination. Pretty simple, pretty deadly. Now, can we concentrate? Here comes the drums! So here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here come the drums. Hello and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch every episode of the television series Doctor Who in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, and we are a couple of guys, a couple of journalists, a couple of Doctor Who fans who've been watching the show most of our life at this stage and uh, are loving seeing it again or sometimes the first time uh in uh, in random order and uh, we we're finally finally back in new home it's it's good <laughs> i like feeling. again for the first time again i like all that for the first time i always like that expression i don't know why but yes we are back in new who guys we've been doing a lot of classic who so for those who need a little update previously on pull to open Three episodes ago or so, we were in the Seventh Doctor, our first McCoy episode. It was uh, Battlefield and Mm -hmm. the last appearance of the Brigadier in the television series, if you don't count his cyberized form. And the first (laughs) mention of King Charles III. That's true. Yeah, sort of, obliquely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we were rocketed uh, a little bit backward in time to a Colin Baker special episode called The Two Doctors. Special, of course, because it also starred Patrick Troughton. Indeed. Um, Had a bit of a message to it about vegetarianism, which was kind of interesting. And was supposed to be the first Doctor Who set in the United States, which may be right to our interests yeah which didn't actually happen it was set in yeah. spain but it was yeah. originally supposed to be new orleans mm. interesting the i think you see where we're going on our randomizer yeah. <laughs> uh predictions here so but then then we leapt back again to a tom baker episode his first season revenge of the cybermen that was the last episode we looked at we looked at it then. I think once was enough. <laughs> <laughs> and even though we have been going in old who, honestly, I could go back even further. And previously, we have yeah. not. We've, we've done Claws of Axis. We've done a bunch of other uh, episodes in Classic Who. We did Spearhead from Space. Uh, we have not been in New Who since the spring when we did the Eaters yeah. of Light, a Capaldi episode. Ten but today, million pull to opens ago. Today, we have finally come back, and we are at Series 11, Episode 3, the episode titled Rosa. And what an episode it is, and and what a return to New Who. I mean, it's... Yeah. Uh, it, it has been so long. I, f- I feel like that Titanic gif, you know, it's been 84 years. Um, yeah, it's almost a reboot, in a sense, because it's funny that we've never been to a Jodie Whittaker episode in right. the random era of to open now when we started the podcast many 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 years ago <laughs> yeah we were actually we weren't random and we were commenting on the more recent season and this that was actually season 12 yeah uh, series yeah. 12 excuse me 
uh, series, series 12. 12. And uh, so we did a bunch of Whitaker stuff then, but we've, we haven't returned since. And um, this is the first one back from her first season. Uh, and early in her first season, this is this is the third, the, just only the third story. Yeah, it's it's interesting for a number of reasons. It's interesting to uh, to dive straight back into New Who and sort of you know all of the the snappy dialogue and the quippery that we associate with New Who that you don't get so much in the classic series unless right. it's like Bob Holmes at his sparkliest. Um, it's nice to be dropped back into that and to be dropped into this one specifically. Uh, we'll, mm. we'll get into it, but it's. It's intense, man. First time yeah. I've seen it since 2018, and uh, a lot has gone down uh, since true. 2018. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, in several was... different ways. Yeah, we'll we'll get yeah. into it. Yeah. So, uh, but before that, I think it's time we should probably enter the pull to open feedback loop, where we Let's talk about everything going on with the podcast in the real world and on <laughs> the real world. Used a little liberally here because we're mm. mostly talking about social networks. But one of the big things that yeah, it's real. It's real enough. It's that's real in real. our world. Yeah. And you're, you're real things, to us, listeners. You're real exactly. to us, listeners, commenters, reviewers, <laughs> and we have more reviewers. We like to talk about mm. our reviews, of course, because reviews are uh, a, well, they're kind of the currency of podcasts. Also, we just love hearing from fans, obviously. But also, if you leave reviews in particular the apple podcast store they really help the show out because they make it more visible to people searching the podcast app so if you have some time and you haven't done it already please go ahead and leave a review there uh even if you don't use the apple podcast app download it just this one time Open yeah it even one if you time. even if you only use it as frequently as we go to the new show uh then <laughs> please just just load it up and and just a single emoji review which is i believe we've we've got a a, a review uh, that we're highlighting with a is that a single emoji as the review it it it's the title of the review which i think is extremely right. clever so the title <laughs> of this review is just a blue box <laughs> <laughs> hey i get that reference it's pretty genius i gotta say <laughs> so the title's a blue box and uh it's from someone d i can't even pronounce i don't think it's even it's pronounceable dejo de dajo zenon Dajo Zen, Zen, Zen One, know. yeah, Zen One. Let's try Zen Maybe. One. I'm just called yeah. Zen One. Yeah, um, but it's five star review. Thank you. And it it reads: This may be my new favorite podcast. Maybe, podcast. maybe, maybe. There's a chance. We're looking into it still. Okay. Uh, no, but been slowly listening through the backlog of this show during my commutes, exposing me to a lot of classic who I hadn't ever watched and giving some insightful, fun reviews of that and the new series, which I've been rewatching myself as well. I love this random journey. 100 emoji. Awesome. Yep. We do like to keep it 100 here on so, Pull to Open. So, so thank you very much, uh, Dajo Zen One. <laughs> yeah. And that's sort really of a reminder it. that commutes are coming back so if you have found yourself thrust into uh this strange situation where you find yourself in a car first thing in the morning barely caffeinated and you need something to listen to why not escape into uh the random history of doctor who via pull to open well car train subway you can do yeah, it, you yeah. Know? those what, airpods work in all those places exactly don't <laughs> don't even bother taking the wheel don't stress use public transit people yeah, and if you're scared uh, about the bubble, just use the transparency mode. I guess I'm <laughs> speaking yeah. from my privileged uh, 
uh, Apple iPod uh, owning position. But uh, yeah, no. Indeed, are great. special special shout out given that we're in Rosa for for anyone taking the bus while while listening to this. Indeed, and sitting um, wherever they want. So next up in the feedback loop, we have been growing steadily on YouTube. Our YouTube URL, of course, is youtube.com slash pull to open. And we keep uploading season two. Obviously, the new episodes keep coming every Saturday. But the season two episodes, we upload every Wednesday. And we're all the way up to school reunion now, which was uh, mm. somewhere early in the sort of quote unquote second season of pull to open. Wasn't and that our first tenant? It was. Yeah, it might have been. Actually, come to think of it. Um, and I remember it was interesting because we, we early on in our random journey, there's a couple of these epic episodes we've done. Not that I mean, this was fairly epic because it was, you know, Liz Layden's return to the series. Yeah. As and we did also did like Day of the Doctor. That's actually going to come up soon, so watch for that, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, school reunion. That was that was a really good one to visit. And you know, really, I didn't we go should... out there like like right after Pyramids of Mars. So it was like you know, yeah, it was pretty close. Young Liz Layden, old Liz Layden. Kind exactly. of that, that kind of whiplash feeling. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. But that's the beauty of the random journey. You can kind yeah, of totally. reflect and sort of wonder what was going on in the TARDIS all those years ago. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lots of interpretation. But anyway. What, happened, what you, happens in the secondary control room stays in the secondary control room. So, one of the more recent episodes we've uploaded there from season two was actually one about the pyramid at the end of the world and the lie of the land, which we, of course, it's the same story. So, we smushed those into uh, one podcast. And one of the uh, one commenter on YouTube. Now, you know we we often do TikTok comments of the week, but uh, we're getting a lot of good YouTube comments, which is you might not expect given the reputation mm. of the platform. Mm. But we have great fans on YouTube too, and uh, I wanted to read out this comment actually from Nathan Smith because uh, he was commenting on I think something we were talking about with regard to the reset button they hit at the end of Lie of the Land. Right, and his comment is, I used to hate the everyone just kind of forgets endings that who pulls every now and then but then i was reminded of that year that clowns kept showing up all over the place and terrorizing folks and we all just moved on like it never happened suddenly that plot point felt more relatable and to this point i'm kind of like what <laughs> what did that happen <laughs> which, maybe, which may be the point exactly. hang on hang on like, let me jump on the gaslighting here pete you don't remember the clowns well, I was glad they were I everywhere. Totally missed it. Yeah, they're just coming out of drains, you know. Uh, <laughs> Stephen King sued them for copyright infringement. It was uh, it was a whole thing. Well, I have to think that must have been it. There must have been like it came out right, I guess, around like a few years ago, and there was probably some publicity around that. And maybe there were just sort of people who who imitated the publicity stunts, and so it seemed like there were a lot of clowns around. But I completely <laughs> missed it, man. Like I did not see clowns apart from some weird creepy people on halloween i, I don't know if he's but, sort of meaning clowns in like a new york kind of sense like yeah you clown get off the road <laughs> you clown there are clowns everywhere no i think he means actual like you know <laughs> white makeup red lips red nose i think that that was although in new york like i you're in the Bay area i'm in new york like stuff kind of just bounces off us when we see it a lot yeah. of the time you know you're I'm yeah, not just lean yeah, into this see- like you know, impression of what things are like, but it is it's like you see a lot of crazy, crazy stuff going on in New York and, and big oh, cities. Yeah. So oh yeah, as, as, a, as a Burning Man veteran, I have to say, uh, some of my best friends are clowns. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could not get through yeah. Times Square <laughs> <laughs> if you you had some kind of like radar about seeing something unusual that you had to stop and look <laughs> at it or or do something. Like it's just 
you know, you got naked cowboys, you got yep. Spider-Man taking selfies. Like it's just okay. That's that's what what happens. That's what Times Square is. It's a clown. It was full of clowns, you wouldn't even notice. Yeah. But I do like the comment. It is true. Like we kind of just I, I think it's a little bit putting the clowns aside for a second, a little a bit of a commentary on just news cycles today. And everything just seems like boom, blink and you miss it, blink and you miss it. And you know, we seem we do have sort of this collective amnesia as a society, mm-hmm. like something shiny, and then you just move on. And yeah, we kind of remember it, but we kind of don't. You yeah, know? yeah, it's funny because I I think this is true of a lot of us in the uh you know in the post um, January twenty twenty one world that when we try to think about the last presidential administration, um, there's this sort of buzzing sound in your head and you start to feel faint. Um, right. Yeah, I, I can't even remember anything about the, those those four years. <laughs> uh, Might be for the best. I, I may uh, be choosing not to. There may be a neural inhibitor um, going on there. Perception filter on history, perhaps. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Ooh, very relevant uh, when we're about to talk about structural it's racism. true. Um, yeah. Mm, interesting. So, um, just a reminder, we are on TikTok uh, at pull to open we're also on uh, and we're also on twitter and instagram at pull to open 63 so that i wanted to sort of close out the feedback loop uh we're still active on the socials and you might start even seeing some more actual photographs on instagram which uh we've um got to do a little more on there <laughs> mm-hmm. note to self mm. uh okay yeah absolutely um so not much else going on in the world of Doctor Who. As we all know, we spoke last week uh, about the passing of the Queen, which uh, obviously has a few consequences. One, sort of letting us place Battlefield a little better. But two, obviously, <laughs> like there's a sort of period of mourning in, in the UK. Mm. There's like basically people are not announcing things at this time, you know. Yeah. So even if they had planned to announce things around the centenary special last week, uh, I think that was probably like, let's kick it back by a week or so. I forget when the exact period of morning ends. I think it's like 10 days. Is that right, Chris? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're, we're recording this on uh, the Sunday, uh, the day before the Queen's funeral. Um, she's obviously been lying in state. Um, I've, I've heard of quite a few people in the UK just sort of leaving the live stream on. It's like a live stream of her coffin mm. and people leave it on the way they would watch a Yule log. You gotcha. know, it's just sort of kind of comforting slow TV there in the background. Um, but yeah, mm. I, th- I think that once that period is over, uh, and it'll probably be some point in the next week, uh, we, we can start to expect to see actual news out of the UK again. Yeah. So one of the things they couldn't uh, obviously stop, I think, was the printers going <laughs> for Doctor Who magazine. And so... Mm. I think the the one thing that we did learn in the past week was the title of the centenary episode because that was already sort of that news was already packaged and ready to go. Um, so we have that's the one bit of news we have, and the title is the power, power of the Doctor. Power, unlimited power. Um, yeah. So now we know. Most importantly, the three uh, hundred and second entry on the pull to open codex. Uh, yes, we'll be titled the power of the doctor. If we want to be really keen about the uh, the spreadsheet, we could enter it now. Um, we could. We're keen. We'll, we'll do that. We'll, one thing time. we know about Doctor Who fans: we're keen about spreadsheets. <laughs> That's um, true. We like so things. Organized. The power of the doctor. What do you think of that title, uh, especially for regeneration episodes? Uh, it's a little weird. I mean, it's funny. Mm. Like the, the thing 
uh, I'm associated with, obviously, is like Power of the Daleks, actually. Yes, I was going to say that. I think in that case, it was kind of amusingly and aptly literal. Mm. You know, they're like, they're the Daleks are literally walking around with cords and they need to get electricity to power themselves, which I thought, okay, because there's obviously a double meaning, but it's yeah. the, with the, in the context of the doctor, um, I think this is uh, probably, and I kind of hope it is, that they're going to try to close the book on the Chibnall era mm-hmm. with, by going back into uh, the doctor is the timeless child and like sort of what, what does that mean? And sort of giving that a little more depth and like, what, what does that mean for her power? Yeah. Cause um, Chibnall has always talked about how this is, this is a multi-season arc that he had in mind, right? Yeah. You can, we can disagree about the execution, but he clearly had the plan to begin with that he'd get to the timeless child situation. So it would totally make sense that he would wrap that up, um, you know, with, with the, Doctor dropping the key f- that the watch fob into the TARDIS in uh, the end of Flux, mm. you know that that kind of begs uh, a a sequel to that. Um, but yeah, we got to wrap, wrap up the child timeless child thing. Um, wrap it up, or I don't know, leave it for RTD to explore further. Uh, maybe simplify the whole Doctor's timeline. Something might happen there. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess you could. You could do one of many things, I guess, but the main things you could do are like one, uh, retcon it. Yeah. You know, like let's just go back, like, you know, react to maybe sort of the negative reactions that it had, and then, you know, now we're back to normal. Uh I kinda hope they don't do that. Like we we had this discussion before with regard to what RTD could do with it. Like right. I, I like the idea of the improv yes and philosophy mm-hmm. being applied mm-hmm. to this. So um, yeah, the timeless child is, is is useful, and we've discussed this, you know, quite a lot in the past. I think more time goes on from the the way it was revealed, the more we're like, oh yeah, you know, actually, it it, it explains the brain of Morbius doctors. Right. Um, it explains, you know, it could explain the whole season six B thing with Troughton. Um, you know, it's it's a useful addition to headcanon. So yeah, I don't, I hope they don't retcon it completely. Yeah, it but can I, be. I mean, I, you know, I a part of me almost, I, I have to confess, part of me does kind of hope that that sort of happens, mm. and it, but I, a part of me also hopes it doesn't. Like, I think it's, it's a bit of a cop out if they did. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe not remove it completely, but but, but yeah. leave us with something new, some new structure. I'm I'm sort of, I don't know if you were a, a DC Comics fan in the in the eighties, Pete, but oh. uh, do you, you challenge me? Crisis on Infinite Earths was of course it I remember Crisis on Infinite yeah. Earths. Yeah, that's basically where, where they there was too much DC canon, yeah. right? So they smushed it down into one one Earth. Yeah, uh, and that that's sort of the vibe that I'm feeling here from the Centenary Special. Yeah, uh, from what RTD wants to do as well It's like that that would make a lot of sense to to kind of Crisis on Infinite Earths the Doctor a little, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'd like that. Um, yeah. Fill in some blanks and then, but also by filling in the blanks, like stabilize us. Yeah. Stabilize it, reduce it, bring it down to something that, you know, uh, a fan can keep in their head all at once. Yeah. (laughs) That's part (laughs) of the problem with who is like, there's just too much stuff out there to, to keep in your mind at the same time. We, we struggle with discussing it for that very reason. Yeah, exactly. I guess one of the things, reasons fans have been a little bit at sea since the timeless child was debuted was, the the rules were so clear before even if yeah. you know you could debate the details of them it was like okay 12 regenerations gallifrey blah 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 and those rules have been thrown out but like mm. 
what has replaced them has been a bit ambiguous. So yeah. let's get more clarity there. And if yeah. I can do the, this the and lack a good Doctor Who then awesome. Well, Doctor's lack of interest in the, sort of the, the essential question that the Timeless Child begs, which is where did she come from in the first place? Where did that portal come from? Of course, from? yeah. Yeah. And so she's surprisingly incurious about that, right? It's kind hmm. of, you know, we're, we've we've had that, but that's the Chekhov's gun of this situation, Mister Chibnall. Um, let's uh, <laughs> let's see what you can do about making it go off in the last yeah. act. That's right. Don't don't be too shy about that trigger. <laughs> Just go for it. You've definitely been going for it. Keep it going. Mm. All right. And I think the hardcore pull to open fans were expecting us to <laughs> get a comprehensive list of Prince Charles's appearances on Doctor Who. Yes, um, the artist formerly known as Prince Charles. Because we talked um, about that last week. But I think yeah. it's literally like, I'll be honest with you, we, we didn't go through a fine tooth comb this week just because, you know, we just couldn't find the time. But um well, this I'm pretty is exactly sure... what we're talking about. It's too big. The canon is too big for us. To... Oh, it is, exactly. Yeah. But I think there are really only two places where he's actually seen. And they're the same mm-hmm. ones as Prince Philip, right? Which is to say the idiot's lantern on the balcony as a child. And then yeah. uh, in Lie of the Land in a, in photograph, uh, as a photograph. Yeah. And then there's sort of mentions off screen, like, the, you know, Battlefield talks about the king. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, uh, as you mentioned, uh, last week, uh, the, uh, the fact that in Inferno, we hear that the whole Royal family has been killed. So yeah, that would and, have technically in- included Charles, I believe. And there's kind of an oblique reference in another tenant episode, um, the girl in the fireplace where mm. Rose mentions Camilla. That's right. She says Camilla, yeah. which is definitely a testament to how far Camilla has come in terms of her public image. You know, mm, she was yeah. named uh, Queen Consort. Uh, that, that was a change. She was just going to be the consort. And now, now she has the full title. It was a very recent change that the Queen made um, before she passed. And uh, yeah, Camilla is definitely not in the same place that she was in the Girl in the Fireplace era. I think mm. we discussed that at the time, didn't we? There was sort yeah, of yeah. kind of, it was a great one word explanation for the situation of the King's mm. Mistress in Girl of the Fireplace, but also dates that particular episode of the show. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting. I mean, you could uh, I'm putting all these randomizer connections together. I remember we also saw that as a bit of a, uh, emblematic of the st- show being written primarily for a UK audience. Yeah. yeah. And now with the episode we're going to talk about today, yeah. you know, you, the doctor who is much more aware of it being a, uh, itself being a global phenomenon. Totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. I, I, I was going to say that, that with Rosa, that, you know, sort of the, almost the earliest in doctor who history, you could imagine it being done. Um, you know, it just wouldn't mm-hmm. have worked uh, at an earlier stage with the different production values, the classic series. Yeah, it would have just seemed really odd. I mean, yeah. you could have done it, but it was like, yeah. it would have honestly was even a little random. Uh, but so now you, I feel like it is. Yeah. yeah. You sort of reminded me with the, the girl in the fireplace thing that like, <laughs> we were in the weird situation where, where Doctor Who has named the new queen consort, but has not named the new king. Because uh, even though Charles's picture may have been in, you know, Idiot's Lantern and, and possibly others, uh, he has not been mentioned by name. It's true. But she has. Yeah. So, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. So they'll get to it. They'll, they <laughs> will get to it. I'm sure RTD is is uh, scribbling furiously, typing yeah. furiously, uh, pausing only to light a fresh cigarette. 
I think that, that I don't want to go too far down the Charles um, uh, rabbit hole, but I Do think it. he didn't he make an, a, a behind the scenes sort of tour appearance when they were filming Day of the Doctor. I feel like I remember seeing Ooh. some footage of the Royals hanging out around the TARDIS console for a little bit with Matt Smith and others. And I think, I think Charles was one of them. Um, I don't remember that. I, so, uh, yeah. well, this, it's a good, it it's a good segue to our request. Say fans, obviously yeah. we're just doing this from memory. If you guys know of <laughs> other appearances of Charles, King Charles on mm. the show or references, uh, let us know. See if, let us know if we missed any. And yeah. We'll, maybe uh, drop it into we'll your review, drop it yeah. into your review and yeah. maybe just use a couple of ears for the emoji. Uh, <laughs> title uh, at the top. That's all uh, you need. Yeah. Cool Ears and gray hair. Yep. Alrighty. Uh, that's the business, man. And yeah. that means we can oh, no boy. longer delay the inevitable. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. Yes, this is time. the time. It's time for TLDW, everybody. TL. Uh, sorry. Too long. Didn't watch. Too long. Doctor Who. Where one of us will summarize the plot of the Doctor Who episode mm. that we're about to talk about in record time. So for the new series, the episodes tend to be about 45 to 50 minutes each. Mm -hmm. uh, since we allot 30 seconds for every classic series episode, which are about 25 minutes, we allot a full minute for episodes of the new series and that means yeah. Chris. yeah it's my you time. have 60 whole seconds to summarize well you say rosa you say whole seconds i mean <laughs> this is the problem right we we've we've come from the classic series we've been in the classic series since eases of light which was 10 million years ago um and we've been used to getting 30 seconds for each episode so you know most frequently we've been doing this in two minutes we did the two, two doctors in three minutes mm -hmm. um like it's we've true. had acres of time and we've not been used Relatively. to the new show and the way that it sort of pack jam packs the plot in to mm -hmm. you know one forty-five minute 50 yeah. minute episode so we're a little unaccustomed to this and uh i'm a little nervous yeah. especially because i feel like you know it's rosa we need to do it justice um <laughs> yeah, don't so, screw it up man <laughs> yeah don't screw it up those, those commenters gonna... will come for you but um Summarize... yeah, i think you actually make a good point yeah. not to like mm. pontificate too much on our own podcast but there is like a pacing difference between yeah, old is. who and new who which the, the the our tldw system doesn't really account for but you know what it's kind of the, world, the breaks man. yeah here we are I gotta do it. All right. I don't make the rules. Well, we... <laughs> <laughs> Except we do. All right. Yeah. But enough, enough with the stalling, the the delaying. It is time to start the official pull to open summary of Rosa, which begins in three, two, one, go. Okay. So the opening is uh, Rosa Parks in the forties, uh, actually getting on a bus and being told to get on the back uh, with the same driver that uh, she's famously linked with. Uh, but uh, she, she does it on that occasion. She gets on the back of the bus and then it cuts to 1955 and uh, the doctor Graham, Yaz and Ryan have landed in Montgomery, Alabama and they step out and Ryan is slapped by a uh, white man for picking up a, a handkerchief that his wife dropped. And uh, all of a sudden, we are right in the middle of the, the racist world uh, of uh, Rosa Parks, who is then introduced and, and saves, stops uh, Ryan from being hurt further. And um, 
they they meet her and the doctor discovers she's got Artron energy all over her. And it turns out to be this guy, uh, this criminal from the future who's kind of trying to manipulate the timeline and make sure that Rosa Parks doesn't do her famous sit-in on the bus uh, on that day. And uh, the doctor, Graham and Yaz uh, and Ryan all run around trying to make sure that Rosa actually does go through with her protest and that history has not changed. And, and they succeed! Time. Nice. Wow. Wow, yes. I, I was a little worried, honestly, when you got to around 30 seconds and it seemed like you'd only gotten about five minutes into the episode. <laughs> I mean, it is sort of like, it's it's kind of that simple, right? It's not... Yeah, agreed. It's not a complex plot. We can get into the, you know, uh, there's some wonderful bits along the way and, and we can get into talking about the, the overall plot with the racist criminal from the future. But yeah, it is sort of kind of at its root, a simple story of the Doctor wanting to make sure that a historical event happens, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is, has this has this happened before in Who history? Because there's, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about fixed points in time. This is not mentioned as a fixed point in time. Mm-hmm. In fact, those words right. do not appear in Rosa, I think, uh, to its success. Uh, we're not even yeah, drawn yeah. into that whole debate. But is there is there any other case in history where we, we, we were at the Romans where the Doctor has to make sure that, well, the Doctor ends up making sure that Rome burns, that Nero burns Rome. Mm-hmm. But we don't know, and we talked about that at the time, we don't know if the Doctor intended that, if the Doctor sort of made it happen accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't think of any other instances. That's a good question in terms of like a historical event that has gone awry and the Doctor has to fix it and make it yes. happen properly. The way it was meant to. I mean, the um, only thing I can think of is the Beethoven reference at the start of um, uh, "Under the Lake." I think it was mm. the Capaldi one, where he, you know, he he ends his little monologue by doing uh, Beethoven's oh, fifth right. on the guitar, explaining right? the bootstrap paradox, right? It's explaining yeah. the bootstrap paradox. Google it. Um, yeah. I love that line. <laughs> you got and, it. Uh, you got it. But he also, you know, like the the implication is that he discovers that Beethoven never existed, so he has to step into Beethoven's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's sort of, you know, that could just be a tall tale, which I think is echoed wonderfully here with the the Banksy line. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor's like, I'm not Banksy, or am I? Yeah. There's a lot of good humor yeah. in this one. I found. Mm. Uh, you know, it finds the humor in this sort of ugly sort of side of history somehow yeah, um yeah. so they, they keep it light enough so um yeah i'm not sure if this this exact thing has happened but to your point i do think you know the show has nor has this is close to a historical episode yeah. uh, as close as sort of as new, new and newer gets. who gets yeah. right because like mm. the historicals stopped uh, officially in the highlanders and then yeah they sort of did black orchid was kind of a historical but then every time they've gone into history there's been some supernatural or future element that's going on and that's the case here um to the point where uh, i i'm not i think i don't know plot wise it's very simple mm-hmm. um but the whole motivation of the bad guy you know i think you you lose a little bit of stakes w- because it just he's sort of this paint by numbers villain which again i think i think it gets at the central dilemma of this episode do you do you do more of a proper doctor who story where mm-hmm. you know the this it's probably more twisty and turny there's you know rosa parks is one element of probably a bigger time travel plot i could imagine or do you simply do 
what they did here, which is, you know, let's let's just make this sort of almost a pure historical with a few little mm. bit of window dressing. It's a it's a bit of a dilemma. I think you kind of you probably couldn't do it the other way because then I think you it would seem like you're minimizing the historical events in in, yeah. in this case, which is kind of the point of it. Mm. Um, but again, I think ultimately that that for those tuning into Doctor Who for that kind of thing, you're not going to walk away satisfied. You will have like, oh, okay, you know, I learned some stuff about Rosa Parks I didn't know before, and certainly got the message loud and clear. But it yeah. it does it does it really stay with you? Um, I don't know if it does. For me, it did. I I um, I got to say, so this is the first time I was I was watch I had watched this since 2018. I remember watching it and liking it in 2018. And I also remember thinking that it had a bit of a uh, you know um, after school special feel to it yeah, at definitely. some points, and we'll get into that. But I got to say that seeing this. Um, I don't know if it's just sort of the the fact that like we're we're watching professional TV made again <laughs> after so much <laughs> classic Who, but I I cried uh, at this. I, I cannot remember the last time I just just wept at a uh, at a Doctor Who episode when I was watching oh, wow. this. Which part? And towards the end, I think I everything. Like I started to really tear up when when Yaz and and Ryan are having their discussion by mm. the dumpster, and they're they're like you know it starts off the like you know we came to see real history and here we are hiding out behind a bin what the hell, um, and they're talking about and this is the very first time I I think this has happened in in Doctor Who two actors of color two characters of color talking to each other about their experiences of racism, mm-hmm. um. That you know that scene packs an emotional wallop, and you know see Yaz just sort of so casually saying things like, "Oh yeah, you know, on the way back from the mosque, I I get called a terrorist sometimes, you know," and just sort mm. of brush it off casually, you know. And, and we this is we've never seen this in Doctor Who before. It is, um, it packs even more of an emotional wallop. I think post twenty twenty, right? You know, we're this is the first time I'm watching this after the George Floyd protests. And that that year in which we all became a lot more aware of the existence of structural racism. Um, so yeah, I feel like this. I feel like Rosa is on its way to becoming a stone cold Doctor Who classic. I think mm. that it's it has for me at least on this watch, it had kind of Vincent and the Doctor vibes. You know oh, really? how you cannot. I mean, I I don't know about you people. I cannot watch the end of Vincent and the Doctor with with dry eyes. It's yeah. just it's not even possible. Even if I've watched it a million times, uh, and I think something something similar happens here. I mean, it's you know we'll get into how successful it is and you know how well judged all of the choices are. But I think it's it's undeniable that Rosa like it makes choices about how to present this history, and it it had to thread a needle on a lot of questions, a lot of issues, the way I was going to present it, you know, do you, how much agency do you give to Rosa versus the fam? Right. Uh, you know, do you, right. you could accidentally tip too far over into making it more about them. And then you're sort of taking her agency away. Um, I think it was just so, so well judged. Um, and just kind of a reminder of that period in history, which, you know, is not, 
for for British people, it's it's not that familiar, and, and we see it in in the episode right where even Ryan uh, is is not aware. You know, even though he was in Rosa Parks' class, he thinks that Rosa Parks was the first uh, African American woman to drive a bus, right? <laughs> and, and it's actually Graham who's like, "Your nan would have right. fit." I think also, I think the first time that I really choked up is when uh, it's in the hotel room. Graham is talking about how uh, Grace, who kind of is mentioned more in this episode almost than any other um, in in the first season, you know, that his his late wife, Grace, um, you know, he he kind of mentions how she wore a Rosa Parks Mm. t-shirt, you know, how much this meant to her. And he just sort of does a little, you know, Bradley Walsh just kind of does this sort of little look on his face and he looks down and he's sort of thinking about things. Um, and that's one, one of the wonderful things about this episode, right? Is, is, is that Graham is kind of, as a, as a white man who maybe doesn't see all of these things in his everyday life, he's going through some stuff. He's th- yeah. thinking through some things. And there's that moment where he realizes that she, she wore Rosa t-shirt and here he is like at the center of that historical event. And it's just like the weight of the importance of that seems to hit him. Yeah. And he's kind of a little, he deflates a little bit. And something about that scene yeah. and the way that Bradley Walsh does it just really triggered my uh, triggered the dust in the room. It became very dusty. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see... We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see a lot of what you're saying. Like, I, I definitely think Bradley Walsh was great there, and he's great in most of what he's done in Doctor Who. And so, hmm. um, uh, that honestly didn't resonate as much with me. I did feel like the the problem is, I feel like they're they're sort of shoehorning characters and dialogue into sort of something that uh to to the sort of met overall message um and and showcasing of this historical event uh that i don't know it, it just what it was too unsubtle for me it was too uh, like i get it you know and i think mm. there was just too much talking honestly like too much like i think even at the end the doctor says some uh thing about you know whatever's going happens on the bus you know resonates throughout which is all true it's just like mm. do we do we need this constantly actually stated out loud throughout right i just almost feel like there 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 were times where i just wish they would kind of let the 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 stuff happening just sort of happen mm. and not necessarily constantly like try to hit it with an exclamation point or you know some character saying something like around it i i I just Mm. i felt like it was more after school special than historical kind of epic right and i you know not everything can be mississippi burning and you know with like really dramatic like you know what i mean like i mean like there it's still doctor who so i get it but i do feel like there was there was the the you didn't i think it's consciously unsubtle i don't think it mm. places it, it has to be obviously like with all the you know brian getting hit at the beginning is very visceral oh, um yeah. yes you you feel that like honestly like in terms of like 
the feelings like that's like that visceral feeling right then like holy crap like this is ugly like and it's good to get that right like it was ugly all the whites only stuff 100 accurate you know like it's all just like okay like it's really doctor who doing stuff it doesn't really do a lot of the time which is this this real ugliness of the past like it talks about it sometimes and sort of sometimes gets a little jokey about it in the old Mm. series but to you know it it does the the sort of the right thing here i just feel like once it's done that it i don't know i i maybe i'm just sort of having that visceral reaction like maybe i i i didn't come here to be like get my i don't know my face put into it constantly <laughs> and, and uh this is why i think as a look at history mm-hmm. unvarnished and also sort of an educational uh exercise of learning more about Rosa Parks, which you certainly do through this episode, if you just know sort of the broad strokes of her story, it works, right? Um, Is that what I watch Doctor Who for? Um, Not usually. Um, This might be the exception, but I don't think it quite worked well enough to to make it the exception. I think so. So Rosa is the first Doctor Who. There are a lot of firsts, and we definitely shouldn't go too far without uh, mentioning it's the first uh mallory blackman uh british children's author uh, is the is the writer of this she's the first person of color to write an episode of doctor who the director i believe was the first person of color to to direct uh or the first uh, uh black person to direct a because of course we had uh Warris hussein in the very first um you know in a, a direction on an earthly child so you know doctor who has had a certain measure of diversity built in right mm-hmm. from the start but this is the first um, you know, uh, black directed episode of Doctor Who, definitely overdue. And and one thing that they do here very successfully that Doctor Who had not done in its history up until this point is sort of center the experience or the likely experience of a time traveler of color. Mm, yeah, right. And this is sort of a a common trope that um, is becoming more common. Uh, Gladly, I think, you know, I think it's a good thing it's becoming more common. This notion that, you know, time travel is all very well for white people, right? You can you can pretty much mm-hmm. go to any era, uh, certainly in European history, and you'll be fine. Uh, but if, uh, you know, if the tone of your the color of your skin is different, and, and depending on where you're going, then it's a problem. And and there, there are two stories that I want to mention that have, have done this in the past. Uh, one is the Shakespeare Code, mm-hmm. uh, where Martha Jones is brought to um, Elizabethan London by the Doctor, and she's like, "Hang on, this is an era where slavery still exists. You know how how am I going to get along here?" And the Doctor's response is not something I think you would you would I, I don't think it's aged well. I think you put it on air today. He just says, "Just swan about like you own the place." Mm. says the white man telling the black woman how to you know just exist in the yeah. world right i mean i think we've become a lot more sensitive to that sort of thing uh and then there's the uh the capaldi bill episode is it is it thin ice is that what it's called but they go back to the right yeah um, i think it is i think that's the yeah i remember it's yeah. the Thames monster yeah. yeah, which, you know, again, Capaldi can't really do much about Bill's questions, doesn't really do much that racism is addressed. Capaldi punches out a racist dude, which yeah. is sort of like a, we've got a little bit of a white savior narrative going on there, right? So these are two ways that maybe weren't the best way to treat 
this question of you know what about a person of color traveling in time well maybe but at least they did it they at least they did it yeah <laughs> you know like they, i mean they as didn't, opposed to completely avoiding the question and i think you, you're overlooking um yeah. one more with martha which was the um oh what was the one where he becomes john smith um the human nature yeah yeah where yeah, she, yeah she's right. a servant and the kids are openly racist to her uh in fact they make a racist comment which again i think was um I think it was good to include. I mean, again, mm. let's have some unvarnished history, please. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, and- so before we go too far, I do want to be aware of the fact that we are two white dudes discussing, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, very important. You probably should have said history. that at the beginning. I, yeah. People couldn't figure it out. <laughs> uh, just but, a of white dudes. Uh, yeah. But I do want to enter for that reason a review in uh, Hyperball by uh, a writer named Ty Gooden, who is a woman mm-hmm. of color. And uh, she now works at uh, Nerdist. She's the features editor there. Uh, but she wrote this lovely review. She really liked Rosa. And there, there is this issue, like, she gets into quite a lot was, uh, what she says, I'm just going to quote her directly here. One of the biggest wins in Rosa was how the doctor fully recognized and respected the level of danger that Ryan and later Yaz were in during this time period. Right. It's such a critical and necessary reaction to Doctor Who has had a history of not properly addressing the issues that companions of color would face during their TARDIS travels. And she mentions the Shakespeare Code and Thin Ice, uh, and it had some white savior vibes. Uh, As the episode progressed, 13 became more keenly aware of both her and Graham's white privilege and how they can use it to act as a buffer for the people of color companions to help them remain safe. Um, And you've got to say, the scene in the hotel room Mm -hmm. is just, it's so well judged and so perfectly written. You're talking Uh, about when the cop comes in? Yeah, when the cop comes in and um, uh, Yaz and Ryan are in the bathroom and the cop is like, you know, where's where's that that Negro boy and that Mexican mm-hmm. girl? Right. Uh, and the doctor says, I don't recognize anyone by that description. Right. Well, actually, calls us mongrels just... at one point. Honestly, this is oh, an episode yeah. that's difficult to quote in places. It you is. Know, and like... Obviously, they could have got a lot more ugly in the language. You yes. know, the N word is not used, uh, which is probably for the best. But you don't want to sugarcoat it. You don't want to sanitize yeah. it. And I think that that's why that hotel room yeah. scene so well judged so right you know i don't recognize anyone by that description doctor's trying not to aggravate the situation by pointing out his racism but everything she says mm-hmm. is so like yeah smart on point and has double meanings for, yeah, says for like, the audience that nobody's here who doesn't have a right to be here is exactly. the other line which i would I think... not harbor anyone who doesn't have a right to be here mm-hmm. um and and I, the, the other thing that really stuck out to me this time was that you know yes it's it's sort of has those after schoolish special vibes, but also like there, there are things. Well, there are things that I learned. Like I, I didn't remember that the that the, the colored you know white line on the bus could be moved, right? And yeah, yeah, physical thing that could be moved only by um, the bus driver, of course. Yeah, by by the bus driver <laughs> choosing you know how much space. Uh, it's also, kind of way, funny, but I mean, like this isn't the point of the 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 episode, of course, mm-hmm. but like in addition to obviously the Jim Crow South uh, stuff you're seeing, like people used to behave differently and put a, I think honestly a person in uniform, you know, you, you would just defer to the bus driver as like the authority, even though like the guy's probably Mm. making minimum wage, probably a little better back then, but it's like, what, who's this guy? 
Like, why yeah. is he in charge? Like, even putting I know, aside, and like, he's carrying a gun. The bus yeah. driver carries a gun. And there's the great scene at the start where we see the, the Rosa Parks incident in the 40s, where it's just you see her at a, a shot taken over yeah. his uh, holster. Uh, really, really powerful moment, sort of emphasizing yeah, chilling for sure. The, the power, but yeah, but I was going to say, like, it doesn't proceed necessarily on the rails that you think it's going to proceed. It's not, you know, it's not like safe um, uh, after school special kind of territory. And one of the reasons is that wonderful moment where Yaz is sort of caught in the middle mm-hmm. of like, where do I sit? Am I right. in the in the in the deep south in the fifties? Am I what am I? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I do I count as white? You know, they keep calling me Mexican. Um, where where do I sit? And she's got this confusion. None of the none of the uh, fam can help. Yeah, it's just this kind of confusion. Um, uh, I like about- I like that one because that's actually probably yeah. even slightly more of a subtle point made, which is like yeah. none of this makes sense. You know what I mean? Like racism mm-hmm. does just like. You know, they're they're two limited it to two races is just inadequate in the first place. Yeah, not that race even matters because it's a social construct, not a right uh, a biological thing. So it's just like I, I like that was actually a really good moment. Uh, I thought it was just like it, oh, it yeah, was, and just, it's sort of yeah. you know we should mention this. This was filmed in South Africa, right? Which is sort of brings right. up the fact that South Africa had its own delineation of quote unquote coloreds, right? And and where you were on the you know, color of your skin spectrum mattered in, you know, and that was a slightly different construct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's sort of referencing the history of that too. But also you get to this point at the end where the doctor uh, and Graham, especially you can see is kind of torn up about this. They can't help. They cannot help Rosa Parks. She has to go through this, right? Yeah. They, they have to sit there and be witnesses to this ultimate act of, of racism of her getting wrecked, arrested. And I felt um, like I was a little weirded out by like Graham's being so like, I guess I get it. Cause I wasn't sure if he was, I, I honestly don't just don't, don't think they clarified his objection very well, which is to say mm-hmm. like, he doesn't want to be there. Is it because he just doesn't want to see that, that ugliness and, and the moment does he not want to interfere in it? Does he feel like he doesn't have the right to be there? Or I thought my read was that he doesn't want to be a white person responsible for mm-hmm. just on principle Mm-hmm. of so, sort of honestly like literally being on the wrong side of history in this case even though yeah. it's obviously against his personal principles but he just doesn't want to know that i think in himself that he was there like not giving up the seat and because he was there this actually happened but of course it's all to serve you know yeah. history turning out as it should uh i mean but... graham is struggling the whole episode I, yeah. I think it's a wonderful subplot for him with the sort of the memory of grace and doing right by yeah. grace and, um, you know, the fact that the first thing she said to him was when she found out he was a bus driver was, you know, don't, don't be like, uh, like this dude, you know, don't be like, uh, James Blake. Uh, is it James, James Blake? Blake. Is it... Yes. Yeah, James it. Blake is the, is the famous bus driver who tried to, who, who got her arrested and who encountered her in the forties. Um, mm-hmm. so like that's, that's a struggle for him, you know, doing right by grace, kind of coming out of this. You, you sense he has this almost naive view of race mm-hmm. um, and and sort of emerging blinking in the light from that and like I, I'm I'm sure like it, it would have it would have been a lovely extra line of dialogue at that moment for him to say something like you know what what, what would grace think of this like mm-hmm. here I am in in the pivotal moment of history like she wore a t-shirt about it you know um, and and I can't help I can't do anything and like that yeah. that's 
it's got to be really hard for him and uh, dealing with uh, you know his memories of her what she would trying to make out what she would make of this situation mm-hmm. right uh which yeah, is, is honor that memory to do for another reason a number of reasons but yeah i gotta say i really really liked the woman who played rosa parks i thought she was fantastic mm. uh, her name's vinette robinson yes um, uh, doctor who veteran yeah she had been in um 42 that mm. was it within uh, way back in series three as uh, 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 I forget that <laughs> I forget everyone in that episode, but apparently the character is Abby, mm. which I assume is one of the space station people. Um, but yeah, I thought she here was... she was great. I mean, I, I, the scenes that I, th- I probably liked the most um, were when you get to see her uh, more fleshed out, more as a human, yeah. particularly when Ryan follows her. And by the way, Ryan is the worst person at tailing anybody which he acknowledges in the episode which is okay but it's like i i remember as we were watching i was watching this with my kids as i always do and uh you know jack was observing like okay this guy's like he's just walking behind her like they're the only two people around it's like why are you even gonna try to hide it's like oh of course he's not he's actually trying to approach her uh but when she and when he uh, goes with her to her house you know um they they have a good uh, they have some good scenes together. And when you sort of meet Martin Luther King and you, mm. you kind of, he has that wonderful moment of, uh, okay, yes. Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. Like, he's yes. just like, oh yeah. man, Ex- I can't believe yeah. I'm here. They're, they're both talking to him at the same time. He's like, yeah. excuse me, Martin Luther King. Yes, Rosa Parks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I can't believe I just said that. Um, I love that for him. It's, it is a great episode for Ryan. I mean, I, I sort of, you know, I was definitely not on the Ryan bandwagon in terms of like I, I thought he was one fan member too many. He just like kind of didn't seem to have any progress to his arc. Like even the very last mm-hmm. thing we see of him when when he leaves the show is uh, is him falling off his bike once again, right? As the as the right. camera pulls away, I uh, believe at the the end of the the timeless child, right? Um, and I, I just wanted that one win for him, you know. And mm-hmm. it's just like you didn't do anything with his arc. You didn't like. He can't even ride a bike now. Um, but yeah. but in this one, like this may be Ryan's best episode of all. Yeah. Uh, it is fantastic. Uh, Vinette Robinson, who plays Rosa Parks, uh, born in Bradford, UK. Uh, how did you? How did her? Um, how did her Deep South accent uh, work for you? Did she? I'm <laughs> I always. Mean, kinda, I had no idea. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not from the South, so <laughs> like I thought. Right. I honestly thought she was great. Uh, and you know, I, I, I've already said like the, the stuff I liked about her. I think she, when, when she's actually also, when she's mending the doctor's coat later, mm. um, you know, she talks a lot about her work and being able to walk and like, I don't know, I, I felt there was a real character there, a real person and not just someone we we're just waiting to do the thing, mm. you know? Um, so, so she did a great job on humanizing her. I did think like, uh, some of the other folks, and maybe it's just sort of the unsubtleness of the whole exercise, but mm. I felt like their Southern accents were almost comical. Yeah. You know, like the, particularly the guy at the beginning who strikes Ryan, uh, he almost seems more like a racist caricature than like, again, I mean, it's an, it's a 45 minute episode. Like you don't have mm. time to like flesh out everything. So I get it. Um, but I did, I did, there was a lot, the only one that sort of gets, I suppose a little bit of, depth and it's only an inch or two is blake himself right um who's kind of the the evil (laughs) like if there's an evil villain it's kind of him as opposed to crasco right crasco i like who cares but 
Yeah, um, we barely even mentioned Kreska. I don't think we've yeah. mentioned his name till this point. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to him. But let, let, yeah, let's deal with uh, with the bus driver, uh, James Blake, because there, there is mm-hmm. this big subplot of they have to make sure that he's the one. Like, uh, again, you know, you sort of have to make sure that this horrible racist history unfolds as mm-hmm. it's supposed to. And you've got, you've got to make sure that he's the bus driver, even though, you know, he's, he's the asshole who uh, drove off without her in the 40s. Um, and it, it, that, that scene where Ryan and Graham go to basically fishing. flush him away from the yeah. creek by fishing yeah. alongside him is so good and so great. well judged. And, you know, they, they, they get him to leave his day off by yeah. basically activating his racism. Yeah. And he gets like he gets at this instant they're there. He you just he's seething, you know. Yes. This is a good performance. I, I we have to give credit to um who is it? Trevor White, I guess, played mm. James Blake. Um mm. but yeah, he's very good. Uh, I think believable in more so than a lot of the other sort of throwaway uh racist characters uh in mm. the in the episode, even from sort of the first scene, like just the frustration, I guess, that he's trying to convey as a bus driver. I mean, you kind of like He's for whatever you know in, in his racist mind. Someone's sort of getting out of line, and mm. um, you you kind of like, even though you don't really understand the racist aspect to it, you he's you you believe the emotion um, that he's going mm. through there. So, and do you know what Trevor White? He's Canadian. Oh wow! One, one of your people. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Who knew we Canadians could play terrible <laughs> racists so <laughs> such depth and. Uh, but afterwards, afterwards, he had to say sorry to everyone. Yeah, of course, multiple times. <laughs> sorry, I said that. Sorry, well, I gotta sorry say, I mean, in today's day and age, and even post twenty twenty, I, I do have a lot of respect for people who do sort of make that choice because it is like as an actor mm. today, with how the world is. I mm. mean, uh, so people like I think it's stupid, honestly, frankly, for people to go like, "Hey, you played a character who's racist, therefore I'm going to." think you're a racist or something and i'm not saying every piece of work is you know like obviously there's certain pieces of work that might you might not want to be associated with but generally if you're an actor you're taking a job and i don't think leonardo dicaprio for example is Mm. a terrible racist just because he was in that one quentin tarantino thing where he said the n-word a bunch of times right like right right. i I think that's just silly um so credit to credit to uh, I've just said his name. I forgot it. Trevor, Trevor White. White. Yeah, I know. It's funny. I'm actually just looking at photos of him on Google. He seems very good at sort of disappearing into different roles and looking different for each of them. So yeah. maybe that's why he was like, yes, I can I can get away with playing this famous racist dude from history. I think what's what's best about it is his eyes. Like he when he's mm. furious and believably furious, his eyes just get really big. Mm. And, you know, I think that somehow, I don't know, he was very convincing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it worked. So it it we should talk about the the actual history of this. Um, maybe maybe time for for Chris's history corner. Time for Chris's uh, history corner. Uh, it may <laughs> it may even call it the the drunk history corner because this is. Um, are you are you a fan of drunk history like I am, Pete? I I am a fan of getting drunk while listening to your <laughs> history corner, but I only have a glass of water here, so I'll just pretend. Uh, so I, I love drunk history, uh, being a history fan. Um, it is, is just such a wonderful show on comedy central, but it will also mm-hmm. educate you on a lot of things. And one of the things that it did that I will not forget is that they to- told the story of Claudette Colvin, okay. who was a 15 year old, uh, African-American woman in, uh, Montgomery, Alabama, 15 year old girl. 
1955 in on March March the second 1985 and we know we remember so clearly from Rosa that uh, Rosa's act takes place in December 1955 in March 1955 Claudette Colvin refused a, a bus driver's order to get up um, and said that it was her constitutional right you know she said later on that she felt Harriet Tubman and Sojourner mm. Truth like at her shoulders because they'd just been reading. Uh, you know, it was March. They just had Black History Month in February, right? So she'd just been reading up on uh, them at school, and that's what made her sit down, right? Um, but this was mm. sort of this. This did actually lead to a lawsuit that led to the Supreme Court saying that the Montgomery uh, bus segregation system was unconstitutional. Okay. It, so it was actually Claudette Colvin's case, not Rosa Parks's case, which got tied up in the courts. Oh wow! But also, uh, as Drunk History focuses on, like you know, it was kind of deliberate that they chose Rosa Parks to be the face of this, hmm. um, rather than Claudette Colvin. First of all, she was fifteen. Secondly, she became uh, pregnant during the uh, oh, as I the see. court case wound through the system. Yeah, just so kind of bad like, optics, I guess. Yeah, bad optics. Fifteen-year-old pregnant girl, um, and uh, you know, it was so, she was sort of kind of put to one side in the history of civil rights movement for for some time. Um, but there has, you know, there was a book um, that came out in two thousand and nine that kind of centered her her place in this narrative, um, and also just just points out that the the NAACP. Was you know Rosa Parks working from Rosa Parks was actually the mentor of of Claudette Colvin, so the two of them knew each other. Possible Rosa Parks was inspired uh, by by Colvin, but you know it definitely um, has that sense that uh, that the history isn't quite so neat as it's presented here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you tackle that, right? As as Doctor Who, I don't know if you. Like you're you're trying to introduce to British audiences exactly what went down with Rosa Parks, exactly how yeah. bad it was. Do you also want to introduce this, uh, you know, the the Claudette Colvin side note, um, you know? But maybe it's a missed opportunity there for the Doctor to be like, you know, uh, history is not as as simple as you think it is, right? But then the, does that diminish Rosa Parks's role? See, you yeah, know, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're touching live wires all over the place here with, with talking about this. I would have liked if they'd gone to that live wire a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I he, This might be me speaking more as sort of a Canadian-American. Now, like, it's funny. Like, I have kids, obviously, and the storybooks they get today, some of them are on, you know, uh, various figures in history. Uh, my mm-hmm. daughter has learned about um, everyone from Amelia Earhart to... Um, uh, you know, various, like there's, there's a few things on suffrage and, and whatever um, that I've, that I've read with her. And so it's good that she's sort of getting this, these sort of history and they, they don't, they, they, they're high, impressively detailed, I will say in mm-hmm. terms of like the accurate history that they get. And uh, unfortunately we didn't have, I don't think we've had one on Rosa Parks, but I think the not like, see, the, in other words, I think, American audiences might be exposed to that more just because it's a uh, uh, sort of, I think, built into the 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 sort of system here a little bit. Mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. I kind of think this might be where you like, I guess I'm curious, like growing up in the UK, like how like is this emblematic of like uh, American culture being more resonant over there? And is it 
like i guess one thing that occurred to me in watching this just thinking about it well this is obviously a big deal in american history and then sort of mm. in some ways global history but like it's not really a a uk thing was there an equivalent yeah. thing over there that could have been highlighted or i don't know not really i mean it's uh you know segregation was was certainly a you know it was a u.s south african phenomenon yeah uh, obviously it became it became an issue in britain in in the late 60s when when the level of uh, immigration rose and we had a infamous right-wing politician named enoch powell who made his rivers of blood speech hmm. which was what he was predicting for the future of britain if if immigration uh was allowed to continue and uh you know he didn't say it but he meant particularly black immigration interesting right, from the west indies mostly um so that's kind of britain's equivalent moment of like the civil rights struggle is kind of the the struggle against enoch powell and his perspective in the late 60s uh, and early 70s obviously everyone was aware of what was going on in the us uh, obviously it was you know powerful stuff i think that you know brown v board of education kind of set sure. shockwaves around the world you know um you know I, the martin luther yeah. king speech obviously everyone is actually but rosa parks not so much i don't think i learned about rosa parks until i was just reading up on american history myself mm -hmm. and maybe when i was 15 or so i didn't know her story interesting yeah i i feel like it's a little bit in the water here in the sense mm -hmm. that like there's a lot of references to it in popular culture uh, but again usually not much more than this the broad strokes and i mm. you know I, I, there's a lot of things i did not know that i found out through this episode yeah um but i, I was remember, just thinking one, one of yeah. them being mlk right we yeah i didn't i, I kind of had assumed the first time watching it that they were kind of twisting history a little bit to, to get mlk in there but no he yeah. was he was the pastor in uh in montgomery from 1954 onwards mm. so yeah and yeah absolutely he did you know, march with Rose Parks, work with Rose Parks, and you know, work with the NAACP, and she was the secretary. Um, you know, mm. so yeah, that was that's a totally believable scene. Um, yeah. That they would just know each other and just hang out like that, and the king was not yet known for being the amazing orator he was, except in his <laughs> in his backyard, right? Yeah, all of this is to say this is this is kind of a great historical. Like it does, mm. uh, you know, has a lot of great facts in there. There's like even stuff in the periphery with Elvis and yeah. Frank Sinatra, which is funny. The first time I got, I, I watched this, I thought it like I, the dialogue was coming fast and furious. I, I mm. figured the doctor was just lying about the Sinatra thing to get that other bus driver out of the way of Blake. Um, mm -hmm. But it's <laughs> she, 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 there's actually a line about the cell phone that she apparently gave Elvis, who Elvis yeah. then gave to Sinatra. And so that's how she got like, it's real. Apparently that guy's actually going to go see Frank Sinatra in Vegas, which I guess <laughs> I like that. You know, it's like, oh, OK, the doctor can yeah. pull some strings in the time stream and make certain things happen. It's a little I love that moment almost. where both Yaz and Ryan come up with a plan at the same time. Um, mm. But I think, you know, speaking of getting the timelines right and wrong, they were maybe so focused on the uh, Rosa Parks MLK timeline. Uh, Elvis was not that famous in 50. Too early. I kind of thought about that. I kind of thought about that. Did, had he already recorded at the, he'd already recorded though, I, I assume at the, he, am I wrong? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't. He's kind of, yeah, he doesn't really break out until um, yeah. uh, 56. Ah. 
So, okay. so the notion that rising. he would have been hanging out with Sinatra in 55. Yeah, uh, Heartbreak Hotel was released January 27th, 1956. Oh, a little early. A little huh. early. Yeah, Maybe so Sinatra it's... took him under his wing. Yeah. Okay, this kid's, I think this kid's going places. Just I, yeah, barely. Just barely. I think maybe the doctor That's may right. may not be uh, telling the full story here. Rule maybe one. the doctor, rule doctor one. lies. Um, no, but I want but, I want that to be real. That's too bad. <laughs> maybe, now maybe she's like you know uh, she's not telling the whole truth in terms of she she got the two of them together in fifty five and was like Frank, you don't know this guy, but watch out for him. Watch out for his hips. He's mm. going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, there's more yeah. to it than meets the eye. Yeah, I think it could work. So <laughs> that's, that's our headcan. We, we, if you don't mind exiting the history corner just for a little sure. bit, we can go so, into the future history corner because mm. we we only mentioned him once. I think Crasco. But we should talk about Crasco, who he is, where he's from, and what purpose he serves in this story. And how um, did he get that name? I mean, Crasco really sounds like kind of a brand of uh, vegetable oil. Yeah. Uh, it's weird when Doctor Who tries. It's actually not just Doctor. Who. Any place, any story that tries to do futury names, mm. uh, it's always weird. I don't think it ever works because it's they're just the whole point is that they're weird. I, I'm I when I think about future names and how they are so weird, I always think of like the Flash, and there was like mm. uh, the Professor Zoom or the Reverse Flash or whoever was named Ebard. Thon. I think that was actually the name. And it's just like, what? And I guess they were trying to make kind of like, is this what Edward becomes in the 30th century or wherever he's from? I was thinking um, of an electronic version of Shakespeare, the Ebard. <laughs> so um, Pasco, I think, is an attempt at sort of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has some hard Ks. So it's like he's, he's hard. Crasco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so Crasco is. is uh, definitely the biggest missed opportunity, I think, mm-hmm. of of Rosa, uh, just because he's so two dimensional. Um, yeah. You can use head cannon to flesh him out. I mean, you just take one look at him, like that kind of the smirk that he's got on his face, the way the way that he looks at Rosa Parks. He's sort of chewing the uh, yeah. the matchstick in his mouth. You're like, yeah, I've I've seen guys like that. I yeah. know guys like that. Like they they think. They know better. They think they are better because they have this really uninformed view of of human, you know, evolution or whatever, right? They just got one dumb idea fixed in their heads, and now they're they're racist, right? And it's just sort of inherent, and just the smirkiness of it, and the kind of you know, I'm not going to be won over by logic. I'm going to, you know, I just I. I'm a hater. Yeah. Well, um, and then thankfully they like. I mean, I don't know if it's thankful because I don't know if the story's mm-hmm. better for it. But in that, if you're going to do that, like keep them to a minimum, and they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which again, I don't think makes this a particularly great story in in uh, plot wise. But it is like it's again like everything else with the story. In, in some ways, it's completely unsubtle. It's like he's just mm-hmm. that, that uh, you know that moment where he's just chewing on the thing. You're like, okay, I get it. He's he's a bad dude. He's a big racist from the future. But yeah. if you think about it, like that gives you a bit of a depressing message about the future, right? Because he's he seems to be, and again, this is a lot inferring a lot, but he has a vortex manipulator. So mm-hmm. that seems to imply he's from uh, this roughly the same era as Jack Harkness, which would right, be 50th like century. yeah, like fifty fifty mm-hmm. first century or something, which mm-hmm. signals okay, so there's still racism back then, you know, in that era, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so really we're still doing this and. Again, like there's no 
like his plan is just to kind of make history go wrong or start to go wrong at this point. But right. kind of why and how is that going to be? And he kind of like just says some something vague about here's where when you know I don't know if he here's uses the word you people go, where it all it, it all started it, to go wrong. It all started to go wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he does say you you to Ryan. He's like you gotcha. people. Um, something you like know, that. To get I mean, that's the implication, regardless. Yeah. Of, yeah. You know, whatever the dialogue yeah. is. So, you know, fair enough. I mean, you're you're setting up you know, the, 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 the plot, but mm. it's like, uh, I, I don't see how this is going to further anything, like, you know, yeah. centuries and centuries from now. I mean, and we, we could get into sort of what if the evil plot had succeeded at some point, but mm. it's just so like, here's some stuff to get this guy to get the plot going and let's give absolutely no more than that. And again, I think it gets at the central dilemma of the episode. Well, you could go more, you could make it more mm. elaborate, but then you're, mm-hmm. are you are you then getting away from the message you want to deliver? Yeah, then, you don't yeah. want to decenter Rosa Parks by focusing too much on this guy, right? You know, right. So I get it. I think probably a few more lines would have done it, like you know. But we we can infer a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he came. He was in Storm Castle Prison, which is where River was also Storm yeah. Cage. Uh, which is so like you know when River was in it, it's just like oh yeah, Storm Cage. And and now you hear it in this context, you know, like Storm Cage. It's, it sounds like it's such a Nazi name. It's such a neo-Nazi name. <laughs> like you can imagine it as the name of a neo-Nazi website. Um, uh, Storm Cage, Storm, right. Stormfront is what they actually use. But Storm Cage, it's, it's you a... know, you see the tattoo and you're like, okay, this is shorthand. Like this is a prison Nazi guy, right? This is just yeah. prisons are full of, you know, white power, um, you know, idiots. So this... This guy's one of them. So he's telegraphing that shorthand. But also, I mean, we're, you know, spoiler alert for what if the evil plot succeeded, I think we're both going to sort of bring up the issue of, well, kind of, you know, wouldn't stop civil rights history in its tracks, right? Right. It would have, you know, the, a protest would have happened, a boycott would have happened. It was just kind of inevitable. Yeah. By the way, one thing the show doesn't mention, which I think is a very important statistic, 75% of the bus riders in Montgomery were African-American. That's mm. why the boycott was so successful because you're talking about right. three quarters of the system. And that's why it just like the system could not stand. It could not withstand. The, the pressure was so massive. It was kind of almost a, a South Africa kind of situation. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, yeah, you know, sure uh, yeah, just sheer numbers. So, but I kind of like, I kind of like the idea that he thinks that by, messing around with this one event in history he can change he can hold back the tide of civil rights but that he's kind of wrong because nazis are dumb i I think to your point they could have done a little more give him a little more depth or a little more credit i guess um in that with just a few lines like oh this is where he's starting but he's got a whole map you know what mm. I mean? Like after he's here, he's going to go do something to prevent a Martin Luther King speech. And then he's going to go somewhere else. And then he's got this whole master plan of zipping around history, preventing, um, you know, this delaying history, like, I guess enough so mm. that he, he, his vision of a racist future uh, actually happens. Yeah. 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 So that, what, that, what if, and, uh... and that wouldn't have taken much, honestly, that would have taken just a couple of minutes or whatever. And like, as it, as it is, I think there's just too much of a question mark. There's these initials on his suitcase that are never explained. It seems like that mm. was something that got lost in a rewrite somewhere. 
and uh, yeah what are the initials again it's like, it's G- like gfb i think yeah. on the case which is like well that's not crasco there's no case yeah. Yeah. um so what is it and there's this other stuff he has um yeah so so uh there's also the whole thing with this chip in his head right which prevents yes. him from actually harming anyone so yeah. again mm-hmm. i i realize rosa isn't an action plot but the whole thing where he's shooting at them and completely misses when he has the jump on them, like he doesn't even have to start shooting because they haven't seen him yet. And he could have mm-hmm. got closer and, and literally shot them. So, you know, my, I think everyone like well, that's stormtrooper aim there. Like, I mean, I know <laughs> uh, again, like I know like you do sometimes need you have your villains have stormtrooper aim. It just, you sometimes yeah. you need it, but here it was just so blatant like it was just like come on like you got to have some explanation but the chip seems to explain it right mm. so like oh he can't actually harm them but then again then you kind of think well wait a minute if transporting them to the future with this temporal displacement weapon is still shooting them right like and so he can't do it why why use that at all like why not just mm. have a gun that he can't actually point at people you know like it just because that's what it seems like it it's like it's like it's too contradictory you know, because it's mm. like he seems to have this weapon because he can't hurt people, but then he he's incompetent with the weapon. And yeah. it's just like you could have. Did you really have to do it that way? I mean, it really wouldn't take a much rewriting to just have that be a more believable scene and have these contradictions make sense. Um, doesn't yeah, ruin the I episode mean, for this reason, but mm. it is like, come on. I mean, at least try. Uh, to to me, so giving giving Crasco a master plan would be giving him too much credit. I think that's the problem. Like turn him into the meddling monk and he becomes too too competent for to be believable, I think, as as a as a you know, just random racist dude because they're, they're just their plans are terrible. And mm-hmm. um they're just not very good at this stuff, right? I mean but it's it's yeah, kind true, of but I just don't find that interest as interesting, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. and I guess maybe I'm not supposed to and I'm supposed to sit back and watch the history happen but again it gets back to the sort of i think where you know where i stand on the episode is like but i'm uh that's interesting to a point but uh at some point i kind of want a little more you know like it's i'm I'm thinking he's he's sort of he's a very trump era villain yeah uh yes i said the word uh because this is (laughs) is trump era doctor who right we have to we have to deal Mm -hmm. with that this is uh i believe after charlottesville Right, and you know that this might have been, yeah. It was definitely a time when we were very worried that you know the unite the right rally, you know the uh, the tiki torches burning, you know the the racists were coming out into the open, yeah, uh, for the first time. And and one of the results of that is we were able to see, you know, that they're just incompetent doofuses. You know, also scary because like they get into cars and they run over protesters. Right, right. But in in terms of the philosophy ideology ability to commit to actions uh they're just kind of just dumb yeah yeah they don't really know what they're doing um so i kind of like that he's a bit incompetent for that reason but yeah i i too wanted something more about just a little bit something from his perspective why why does why does why is he a racist like just give us something i i i get all you're saying i i feel like though like it just inherently lowers the stakes you know Like, um, cause to your point, to our whole point, and we, maybe we just go right into what if the evil plot had succeeded, mm-hmm. you know, like even if he does succeed here, which we don't want him to do and we're all glad, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't, um, would, would not history just play out. Right. 
And I think the only way I think it's interesting is if he is a little more competent and history does go on a left turn. And what I, what I, I find, I think there's an interesting thing that would happen, which is that if, if earth history is thus more racist during the period when the doctor primarily interacts with earth, Mm. the doctor doesn't want to interact like no longer his favorite planet. Right. Like he gets disgusted with it. And then it's like earth is doomed. You know, if the doctor doesn't help, like it's, you know, pick your invasion. Like they just take over and then. I mean, maybe it's just limited to sort of being an American thing. Right. And that kind of might explain why the doctor doesn't tend to visit America too much. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. He does go back in the 60s at some point, though, with uh, that's true and all that. But. I don't know. It's it's interesting. You almost want to see a version of this where he realizes that the smart thing to do would not be to prevent her from doing her protest by just kind of, you know, wiping all around it. But but like kind of maybe if he made uh, the, the bus driver, uh, James Blake, like just sat him down beforehand, be like, you know, uh, there's going to be this protest on your bus. Just let it ride out. Don't do anything. Don't don't give her what she wants. Don't arrest her. You know, don't get her arrested. Oh, like that would be a more an easier way than all of the shenanigans that he does of like you know destroying the bus and mm. trying to make sure that he has a day off and all of this stuff. Like maybe just just walk up to the guy and like, hey, I'm I'm time traveler from future. Here's what we need to do. It's like the Biff Tannen, yeah, sort of solution. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah would would kind of in a scary way be much more effective did you not like the sort of chess game at the end where you know the the bus is broken and then I did, pe- yeah. people are getting turned away i thought that was kind of cool it was yeah. really cool i like that that the graham like we don't even see it on screen but graham hot wires a bus right uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool I, you know, obviously you wouldn't you wouldn't have the fishing scene without it um yeah yeah, no, I, I loved all that. I Where do you get that very, bus, very though? I guess, I guess we're supposed to, because we're like, you know, the one bus is broken. Like, if there were buses available, why didn't they just get another bus? But I, I guess we're to presume that they got that from another route. So some other yeah. route doesn't yeah, have just, a bus. Maybe somewhere in the TARDIS, which we know has a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> there was also a bus garage. <laughs> I, that works. It works for me, yeah. And we just missed that classic scene of the bus driving out of the TARDIS the way the way Clara's motorbike did. Yeah. Oh, by the <laughs> way, speaking of the bus, one thing I found annoying, again, this is just a throwaway thing, uh-huh. but it's like whenever the fam is on the bus, they're constantly announcing their plans to everyone on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's yeah. just kind of sitting there like, who are these people? Oh, they're going to go in there and they're going to do this thing. Uh, someone's going to the back, etc. It's It's, again, it doesn't, ruin anything it's just a little like okay like i guess we're just extras here huh yeah 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 the the optics on that are not great are they um but (laughs) yes you you think like you know go they they deliberately get a hotel room right to to go and plan this stuff out like maybe keep all of the exposition scenes to the hotel room i what did you think of the the doctor's magic marker uh on on the wall oh that's cool that's like, you know, you know that's a psychic paper. That's a Whitaker yeah. psychic paper, I guess. You know, it's like, I yeah, love it. Not? I love it. I, I think it's great. You know, Doctor really needs to do more of this, like introduce more kind of, you know, special gadgety stuff. Yeah. Um, 
and just the, the fact that that's the opportunity for the Banksy joke. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally well, you agree. Can't they... Draw on the walls. I'm not. You're not Banksy, or am I? Yeah. You can't. You can't shy away from the gadget stuff. You can't, don't want to overdo mm. it, but it is like mm. yes. Every now and then, you're going to get a garage door opener scene, like mm. we got in Inferno, which mm. does not age well. But I'd rather they do it than not, and then you mm. know have those scenes be memorable. Um, yeah. So. Speaking of the the hotel room scene, the did you, you did like the the Steve Jobs stuff where Graham? <laughs> I, I thought it was great. Steve I thought, Jobs. yeah. Well, I also how he describes a smartphone. Yeah, someone from the fifties, and the guy's just like, "That sounds utterly ridiculous." Or yeah, and he sort of, as Graham is describing it, I think it sort of comes to Graham's own head that, like, "Wow, this is actually a pretty cool gadget that we're all carrying <laughs> around." Especially at the end, and a calendar. You know, like, yeah. He's just oh, and it can send messages. Um, and stores your crypto. Yeah. Oh, wait. We won't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets into explaining crypto to this racist cop from the 30s. <laughs> oh, that'd be, like, that's totally... priceless. Someone should do that. Someone has to write that scene for some... But it is room. definitely... I don't know if you've had this sort of... You know, as as Who fans, I think we, we all have fantasies of, of traveling into history and like... of. That, that that is the first thing you do, right? I you sort of reach for it as kind of like here's here's the thing I'm going to show you to prove that I'm from the future, to uh, wow you, to make you worship me as a god. Whatever your goal for traveling in time is, you can achieve it with a smartphone. Hmm. You know, if you want to go back and be Merlin in the court of King Arthur and, and prove your magic worth and just fire up a few apps, you know. Have, yeah, have King Arthur play Candy Crush or whatever. Like that just <laughs> it's one of those go-to things. Yeah. And it, I don't think it's ever been done in Doctor Who other than this, right? Mm. Um yeah. uh well, I guess when they showed the tribes the true use of fire <laughs> in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you true. mean. But uh, like using the smartphone in particular, I, I feel like science fiction has had a problem adjusting to yeah. a world of smartphones and tablets. Uh, certainly Star Wars has had this problem like you, you're starting to see tablets crop up in the new films Yeah, but so, there are so many times in in a movie like say The Force Awakens where you're like you know if you guys you know when you're when you split up and you're running around Starkiller Base if you guys just stayed on a smartphone the whole time yeah. while you were doing this like why why doesn't why hasn't your advanced technology I suppose the danger, and this probably is the thinking, is that as soon as you show anything that is contemporary, like or something mm-hmm. that someone can lock into, well, one, you, obviously you don't want to show something without a sponsor, you know, if like this is specifically this phone or whatever, but it automatically dates it, like automatically, you know what I mean? So unless mm-hmm. you're you want to date it, so this is sometimes used cleverly, uh, was used very cleverly in Lost, for example. There mm-hmm. was a um very famous scene the first time they did the flash forwards um um spoiler alert there are flash forwards uh but the, the <laughs> you times. see um the character i forget his name uh but he was played by um matthew fox mm-hmm. uh jack of course his name yeah because everyone every main character was named jack for a while for <laughs> like 10 years um and he closes a motorola flip phone that was contemporary to Mm. that period right which was to say like oh lost this is supposed to if it's a flashback which is what they were doing he wouldn't have that phone and i remember thinking oh maybe that was just a production problem no it was clear like they were actually trying to use a current phone to show that this was the Mm. actually the present and not 
not the past from the island. So, you know, if you're doing that kind of trick, great. But otherwise you're like, oh, I'm watching this episode a year or two later and it's it's clearly an iPhone 5 or whatever it is. Yeah. And then you're like, that could get to be kind of a, it kind of can kind of take you out of the program, I say, I think more than something that is like, and it's never going to be contemporary, right? The way production schedules are. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And that's that's why this, this in particular works, I think, because, you know, Graham just be thinking about his own smartphone whatever it is he doesn't even need to pull it out yeah he just needs to describe it yeah um so yeah that was a very very neat way to address that yeah but i do think it's like it is something i think they could do a little more consciously at some point to pull out like a smartphone and have like people in the past just get like what Mm. the hell is that i remember like there was at least one show bold enough to do that it was actually a very short-lived time travel show called journeyman and Mm the guy goes back to the seventies or the early eighties and he has his iPhone and they're like, Whoa, like people are like, is that like some kind of portable computer or something? Like, wow, that's mm-hmm, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should also mention by the way that, that uh, quantum leap is about to restart. Well, that's true. Speaking of other, other time travel, I, I wonder like, because the one thing we know about the, the quantum leap reboot is it's set in 2022, right? That that's where, hmm. you know, um, that's the present day. That is the present day. So, are they going to make reference to modern day technology? You know, in this, in all of his leaps into the past, um, it's going to be. And will they will they lock in the present in twenty twenty two so that it's always twenty twenty two? Assuming the yeah. series is successful and goes five seasons, does he keep coming back yeah. to twenty twenty two, or does the present also, you know, keep advancing in the same way? I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the things that you have to think yeah. about when you're running a time travel show. I do have to say that just in general, and maybe it's partly the the fact that they deal with the race issue, but this felt more real to me as a time traveler experience mm-hmm. than almost anything else in Doctor. Like it just felt right and real in in many of these areas. Not just the Steve Jobs smartphone thing, you know. Not just ryan getting slapped in the street in montgomery alabama but also like the the moment where they they sit down at a bar and to to your point about like explaining the whole plot on the bus they kind of actually do this in the bar at the start right they just walk into they're just sitting around a table and they're they're just like it's normal and we're you know modern audiences like oh yeah well this is normal and they start to cut in little shots of other people looking at them around the bar and it, it may take your mind two or three of those cut scenes to of, the, of those cuts to be like oh yeah oh this is wrong <laughs> this is yeah. the next great race group sitting just sitting casually at a table yeah. in 1955 alabama like of course this is going to be an issue um of course they're going to get kicked out and yeah just little moments like that kind of made it feel really just much much more real i felt like these were actual time travelers yeah i think it works really well i think the choice uh well what other choice did you make but i mean the fact mm. that they went back to something earlier uh so they basically went far back enough because i think once doctor who mixes in contemporary times especially since the show started in 63 and has its own quote-unquote history since that time um mm. which again sometimes they use and sometimes they ignore it gets a little weirder right because um I remember when they referenced, they actually referenced Obama in this one, but they, it's not mm-hmm. the first Obama reference. They, they actually mentioned him in the end of time. And I feel like when they do that, when it's like contemporary history, it doesn't quite work. Cause then you're kind of lock. It makes you think too hard about 
how much of the show's universe aligns with the real universe. Mm. And so by going back to the 50s here, it's like, oh, of course, like this is still sort of the shared world history that we can do. Um, but yeah, I think it's also just a testament to the performances here. I mean, like, I think everyone just felt really human. Um, mm. It just felt um, like it was, you know, uh, people were were telling this, painting this picture of this place um, and they weren't being half-assed about it. I mean, it was all like, okay, they, they really mm. wanted the setting to be kind of a round character. And yes. What uh, do you think about the, the TARDIS's whole role in this? Because the TARDIS takes them there Mm-hmm. It's kind of doing that Tardisy thing that the Tardis does sometimes of like, no, this is where you're supposed to go. Yeah. Uh, you can almost hear Idris's voice in the back. I always took you to where you were supposed to go. Um, where you needed to go. But where you needed to go. And obviously it's like, hey, Artron Energy, 1955. Let's let's go pursue this, Doctor. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to be interested in this. Um, but it's sort of like, it's almost taking it back to the old show, right? Where the, the Doctor just couldn't steer. And that's kind of the opening um, thing that they, they we learned that they've tried twelve times to land in Sheffield. That's right. In the twenty first century, bit of a throwaway line, but that was mm. interesting. Yeah, twelve times. We've never had such precision on sort of the the stuff going off yeah. on off screen. Um, like you'd think that, that maybe the tenth yeah. time the Doctor would be like, "Okay, Tardis, I get that you, you know, there's a reason for this, yeah. right?" Yeah, and I think this is, I, I think, a bit that works really well, uh, just as a fan, because I my theory, mm. I think, is concurrent with what I think a lot of people's theory is that, the, to your point, the, the TARDIS is doing what's good for the Doctor. And at this point, mm. the Doctor is a little bit ambivalent about her fam, but the TARDIS mm. knows they belong together and that yeah. this is this is the people you need to that right now and mm. you're going to stick with them <laughs> yeah like this is the we're not getting rid of graham and yaz and, and ryan yeah. they're they're good people and i always took you where you, you yeah. where you needed to go with the people you needed to go with yeah exactly the other like unspoken part of that sentence totally yeah that's actually good i like it yeah 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 adds that thing that you know the doctor really needs needs a fam needs yeah. to not be lonely so i don't think it's a question that has to be answered i think we can answer mm. it on our own but there are questions that do need to be answered <laughs> and those nice. are of course the four questions to doomsday <laughs> and there are four of them and the first one is speaking of taking places why did the randomizer take us here well, I think we both zeroed in on our recent visits to the two doctors, mm-hmm. uh, but possibly yep. for different reasons. I was thinking of it as the, the two doctors was supposed to be the first big American episode right. of, of Doctor Who, uh, American story, and, uh, and wasn't because that was too expensive. And, um, you know, I, I wonder if the randomizer is kind of on a, an American kick now and whether we're going to get the... Uh, a lot of you know, new season six stuff of you know the the Doctor in Utah, um, <laughs> you know sort Could of be. the other yeah. big American example. Um, I guess yeah. we've done the diner where Clara worked, but <sighs> Doctor Who and America kind of had this weird relationship, or at least uh-huh. on screen, right? It's <sighs> the accents a bit like we we've had lots of Perry episodes really, so we recently so we've seen. Um, how bad the, the British uh, attempt at the American accent can get. 
Yeah, uh, just the British take on Americans in general. But yeah, yeah so no. maybe this is maybe this is the antidote to Perry, and maybe this is the uh, randomizer reminding us that if Doctor Who had in fact gone to New Orleans in 1985, uh, they, there's probably a lot of stuff that they wouldn't have dealt with, like the yeah. legacy of the Deep South. Um, you know, all of that history stuff was not would not. You know, Robert Holmes, great guy, wouldn't necessarily know a lot of that history wouldn't be immersed in it yeah so. it might have been historically remembered as a missed opportunity yeah you know yeah. um so maybe it's actually for the best yeah um i i saw the connection with the two doctors as the two doctors was kind of kind of a message show and of course they, yeah. they also spell it out right at the end of like oh it's a vegetarian diet for both of us and right where but whereas that episode i wouldn't call it subtle but there is yeah. kind of a that's it kind of like mm. Um, reaction to that kind of message whereas here the message is obviously loud and clear and is much more relevant and much more like okay this is more resonant uh, of the human experience just generally so um, that's that's sort of the I've, connection uh, I made. I've got a Revenge of the Cybermen connection <laughs> Go. Uh, it's a very tenuous one but the asteroid at the oh, end kind yeah. of feels like the you know the extra yeah. moon that was sucked into Saturn's orbit that turns out to be Voga uh, Revenge of the Cybermen, and yeah. and we end. We didn't. So the final scene is interesting. Uh, was interesting for me because on the one hand, it feels the most like an after-school special. Yes. Like they're all back together on the TARDIS, and the Doctor is catching them up on the rest of Rosa Parks' history. Here she is getting the Medal of Freedom from President Clinton in 1999. You know, it feels a bit too like it's the, yeah. the most expository kind of moment in the show. But then. She opens the door, and you're in the asteroid belt, and there is Rosa Parks' asteroid. And I choked up again at that moment. I could. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why. It was just something about like the fact that she lives on, her name lives on in an asteroid. It's just awesome. And um, yeah, and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a. To me, it was a, sort of another dilemma choice because what mm. strikes me about it is in again, I'm not trying to minimize the the, the asteroid or anything about Parks. So again, that's mm. all good, and that's a great testament to the longevity of of what she's meant to the world. But the whole thing in Doctor Who universe, like you feel like. You like you can you could you could have amplified that times a million in future history, which granted it's mm. it's fake, right? Like it's Doctor Who University, but you could have said something along the lines of like, oh, this is a colony that's named after her or whatever, mm. or like mm -hmm. some space station, which right. to, get into Afrofuturism. I, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I I get that why they didn't do it. You know what I mean? There's obviously mm. like it's okay, well, that's not real. Like whereas the asteroid mm. really is a real thing. And mm. But to 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 your point, I do think it's like more of a continuation of that after school special feeling. Like I I didn't like I got like oh that must be real. That's kind of all I got out of it. I didn't really get like because I because to me uh, again maybe this is just a Doctor Who fan thing to think. Mm. It feels minimized given the scale that what you can do with sci fi. Um, it could have made it the other choice, and I wouldn't have hated it. It put me in mind of like two two other instances where where Doctor Who has had to do this, right? And that they're, they're both uh, instances where the Doctor has actually taken the person in question and and shown them how how. Oh yeah, um, so Vincent and the Doctor like, again. Yeah, Vincent and the Doctor. Obviously, that worked like crazy. Yeah, that is that is the scene that nobody no can watch that scene with the dry. That's eye. awesome. Um, but also, I'm thinking of the um, unicorn and the wasp. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thinking of uh, the Doctor trying to explain to Agatha Christie how famous she's going to yeah, be the in the future. Yeah. And it, I don't think there's anything visual that happens, right? He just sort of like tells her about all the books or maybe mm. shows her some of her future books or... Like, but it's it's a nice moment, but like you've got nothing visual to go with it. Whereas you yeah. do invince the Doctor, and here you most certainly do. And the yeah. it's something about the visual of the asteroid in that moment, like it just you know the, the quiet grandeur of space, and here it is. You know, uh, yeah, it's not interestingly the, the TARDIS can actually go the way you want to. And yeah, again, again, ask, this could be ask just it to me. go to a particular asteroid. It, it could have been just me, like, but my head yeah. instantly goes to like sci-fi. You have just so much available to you. Mm. Uh, to scale things up and do something mm. huge. Um, it, I just felt like it was a bit of a missed opportunity, even though it is true. Mm. So again, it's just preference, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on to the second question. And I kind of already said mine. So this is <laughs> what if the evil plot had succeeded? Yeah, so the evil plot is technically Kraskas, but I right. think that we would be remiss to not suggest that... You know, in this day and age, we have to be aware that the evil plot is structural racism itself. Mm. And that we are still in that struggle. This is like just, you know, the civil rights era was an important leap forward. But also, you know, the Supreme Court slapped down the, the Voting Rights Act, which really put a, put a capstone on a lot of the civil rights era. Like this is a constant battle that has to happen in every era. You just have to battle the racists. Uh, even, you know, we, we've seen that as we remember from Oxygen, you know, where Nardole was sort of accidentally racist towards blue people. Um, you know, it kind of just is a thing. Yeah. It's probably always going to be a thing to a greater or lesser degree in the future. So it hopefully never will fully succeed, uh, but it is an evil plot that we have to beat back. And I, I would love it. And I think this is what you would do if this, if you were remaking Rosa in the post George Floyd era, is you would sort of make more reference of the structural nation of the nature of this, right? Even though, like, desegregating the buses did not end racism, right? No. The Civil Rights Act did not end racism. Voting Rights Act did not end race. You know, they they were all just steps along the way, and the evil plot is wider and bigger, and we have to you know, A, make sure that we can see it uh, every day because it's often invisible to many of our eyes. Um, and and B, you just always be alert that the, the battle is not yet won and it's when you think it's won that it's at its most dangerous, right? Well, I think you could. Um, I think that embraces a political viewpoint that I think, that, you know, why that uh, that would perhaps increase what sort of some of the divisiveness of like the mm. Chibnall era sort of and, and leaned into and certainly leaned into hard with this episode. So, mm. I mean, you could do it. Um, and I think Yaz and Ryan's conversation alludes to maybe something along those lines, uh, which, you know, like we, it's a good scene. They talk about, uh, you know, where, how racism still exists in there. You, yeah. you need it, right? Because you, you yeah. one, have to acknowledge the progress, but you also yeah. need to sort of say there's still work to be done. And I think a lot of, a lot of the tension in current culture wars is debates around what work needs to be done, right? And so yeah. to take a stand on that, uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to do. Uh, mm. and cause then you, you're sort of, you're inherently going to start polarizing your audience further and further. So, mm. um, that maybe, I mean, you know, it's arguably the evil plot of television <laughs> you know, like, to get really meta on like, yeah. is this, you know, like you, you have a show that is a mass appeal show, um, that, that has to acknowledge, you know, the broad politics of, of whatever era it's in. Mm. Um, and so when you do have these, these steps forward, at least as one half of that audience would say, when you sort of, you know, you start doing the representation and you're casting a woman doctor, to, to lean further and further into that. I mean, would you then suddenly, like if you're minimizing your own show's influence, like yeah. then are you even really achieving the goal you want to achieve? Right. And I think, again, I, I don't think that that means you don't do it. I think mm. it's just, you have to put these equations in your head as you do do it. And, you know, for every step forward, you know, you have to kind of like let the world kind of catch up in some ways, I mm. guess. Um, yeah, it's oh. interesting. I mean, if, if Crasco had really been thinking about it, he he would have like gone to, back to the Confederacy, maybe, right? You know, yeah. ensure the survival of the Confederacy, and that that gets us into some very dodgy ground because, like, there there is already too much alternate yeah. history in which the Confederacy survived. Yeah, or one. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but also, like, yeah, we don't we don't want to really get into representing it like that's the reason for that you remember the hbo show that was cancelled it was going to be the game of thrones guys we're going to do a show called confederate yeah i uh, sort of vaguely remember that but that was was yeah. that a casualty of the george floyd uh stuff or was it I, even before that even before that it yeah. was like it just had a lot of people on twitter going why do we need why do you need to dramatize this hmm. you know why do you need to dramatize what a confederacy would look like um it's yeah. just like let's it, you know, it's kind of boring. We've been there. We've done that. Like, you know, in, in so much alternate history fiction, like let's, let's do something different and not kind of, kind of go for almost Confederacy porn in a way. Cause that, that has a mm. history as to it to, as well. Right. The, the lost cause narrative kind of seeping into the romance of the American movies and how many characters were, you know, Clint Eastwood used to play a lot of characters who were like ex-Confederate soldiers. Yeah. And it was I could either way. Like a, I haven't, yeah. I haven't been a fan of what is it, Man in the High Castle that depicts yeah. Nazis sort of taking yeah. over, and that that's arguably similar in terms of sort of Nazi porn. And I think you totally. do kind of have to be a little bit careful, um, particularly with sort of the imagery, which could, of course, you, you're you know obviously depicting a horror and the irony of it, but then mm. that can get. Um, uh, co-opted, uh, yeah. which, which I think is sort of the fear. So you, you, it's, it's a difficult thing. Uh, we when you're trying one to day, things. one day the randomizer will take us to let's kill Hitler. Yeah. Uh, and we, we can have, uh, we can sort of continue this discussion on like, well, what, how much do you show of the, you know, of this ratio? How much do you play Nazis for laughs? You know, yeah. how, how much is that? Okay. Um, you know, how do you lock Hitler in a closet and just sort of get away with that for the entire episode? Um, <laughs> but yeah. All right. We'll get there so, when we get there. But right now we want to know when the Clara Splinter got here. So, and where <laughs> she is. So where is the Clara Splinter in Rosa? Yeah. I realize very... we, we haven't, uh, we haven't explained the, the Clara Splinter in a while. So we should just tell you new listeners that uh in uh, the reminder that in the name of the doctor clara steps into the doctor's timeline uh is saving her throughout it, him throughout it we've sort of used that as our jumping off point to fill plot holes um by 
just saying that there is a version of Clara in every one of these random stories that we go through, and she's kind of helping to fill in those plot holes. Um, in this one, it's it's hard to say. Maybe she's, um, you know, maybe she's in the future and she's Krasko's, uh, you know, gun uh, aim training. <laughs> like he's just, she's make she makes sure that he shoots like a stormtrooper. Just giving really bad gun education. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess to further just clarify the name of the doctor thing, I guess we're presuming that it's not just uh previous to that episode because Whitaker yes. is obviously the yeah. future of, of the exactly. doctor's personal time. So um yeah that's as good as mine, which is I, I figure like Ryan doesn't seem all that successful in getting people on the bus. Hmm. Uh but a certain amount of people do get on the bus anyway. So I do feel like maybe she was just kind of helping him out in like you know ensuring that there were at least a default level of people to in, it was stand ensure it was kind of like standing room only on uh on the bus Ooh. the thing Ooh. is we have to the thing is in the uh, the reason i brought up sort of the time stream issue is that even though we are presuming clara's gets splintered throughout the doctor's timeline whitaker would at least recognize her so would she though or is that that capaldi thing that blocks her blocks him from seeing clara well but he he got is his memory not? restored in like twice upon a time so oh yeah i'm presuming yeah, that to. um i mean i yeah. presume okay so, so she uh, can't show up in in the doctor's sight from from Whitaker onwards. Yeah, from tw- twice upon a time onwards. So, mm. uh, again, if you if you believe that's exactly what happens there, but so she can't be on the bus. But mm. I think she's just sort of helping out with the passengers. That's my theory. That's the best I got. But I like, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. And uh, gosh, I was just going to say something. Oh, you know what? She she's the one who passes the mobile phone from elvis oh, to Frank yeah since they good. don't since elvis isn't actually famous at this point that's she's she couriers it to frank because mm. we know we know frank would like clara <laughs> you know frank would uh, like clara oh That'd yeah be a tough one to get out of for her so <laughs> luckily hopefully she brought her own uh you know vortex manipulator or whatever <laughs> temporal displacement weapon yeah um, in out. okay last question is this a Dalek, an Ogron, or a Viscount Banger? Which is, of course, our rating system with Dalek yes, being Vi- good, Viscount. Ogron yep. being not so good, Viscount Banger being one of the best ever. One of the classics. Um, uh, which, of course, we get, again, something we haven't explained in many a pull to open. The Viscount Banger is uh, Lala Ward's oh, yeah. dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me the go Viscount first. Banger. I want you to have the last word on this one because I think you okay. uh, probably uh, have a different opinion than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm going to give this uh, a Dalek, but it's, I, I think it's a revolution Dalek, which is to say a Dalek mm-hmm. in the revolution of the Daleks uh, style in that it's it's very good at what it is. But I don't think this is an example of good Doctor Who, frankly. It's it's hmm. kind of a message show. Uh, again, it's it 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 overdoes it in a lot of ways. It's really really unsubtle, which I get. You know, you how would you do it otherwise? Um, but I, I just don't think as a Doctor Who episode, it um, it 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 really works. You know, it works as something else, but not quite that. Uh, anyway, probably said too much already. But you go ahead. I uh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna give it a Viscount banger. Oh wow! Look at you. 
I feel like we, we need one. a sound effect. Them away. <laughs> <laughs> we need a sound effect when that happens, like some thumping EDM or something like that. I'll see what like I can do. Beggar. <laughs> <laughs> but I, th- I think it's it's kind of especially appropriate because I remember they talked about um, the, the this particular season when they were all being driven to the set. Uh, Bradley Walsh, who plays Graham, would entertain them all with uh, his rendition of the latest pop hits, and they would call them hashtag Brad as bangers. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's entirely appropriate to uh, to bring it to invoke the name of Viscount Banger here. Um, Do it, I, yeah. I think I think it is. I think it's a. I think it's a classic. I think it is. I was surprised watching it again the extent to which I enjoyed it. Thought it was a really tight story. Thought that, yeah, the message after school special thing was there, but I think from British perspective, more necessary. Uh, but also, I don't think that it kind of subsumed the story uh, at any point. And especially coming from Old Who to this, like this, if this had been an Old Who episode, been written exactly like this and transmitted in the eighties or whatever, we, we would be falling all over it. It would be a stone cold classic. Mm. We would, you know, we'd know that like it would, the reach would extend far beyond what the classic shows it. So I think especially coming here from, from a classic who, uh, (laughs) many, many months of classic who, uh, I'm I'm going to perhaps overestimate this, but no, it really, it made me weep. And I think that any doctor who that does that deserves the highest honor. Um, it might be, you know, in my in my rankings, it might end a I don't know a, a top twenty position. It's definitely my favorite Whitaker episode on on rewatching it. Okay. Um, although I still have to rewatch Eva the Dalek, so maybe that maybe that'll take it. But I actually I I wanted to, if you judge it by the the quality of the episode, by how many other Doctor Who's you then want to watch, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it kind of makes you. I really wanted to watch Demons of the Punjab after this. Oh, interesting. Because I was particularly affected not just by Ryan's story, but yet, but by Yaz's uh, yeah. in this, and you know, Yaz felt really real to me. So I kind of wanted to. They they make an interesting pair, right? Uh, Rosa and, and Demons of the Punjab, and you know, kind of Doctor Who facing a lot of the history that it hadn't faced. Um, so well, that's true. yeah, yeah I, th- I think I still think Demons of the Punjab is probably the better episode. May end up being my favorite Whitaker certainly from this season, but. Right now, in terms of what we're rewatching right now, uh, you know, it is a Stone Cold Whitaker classic, and a, yep, Viscount Banger for me. All right, we'll we'll leave it there. Definitely, like as you said, you know, definitely shows how far we've come. Yeah. Uh, more ways than one. Um, cool. Well, that closes the book on Rosa, and now we must get into our own TARDIS and figure yes. out where we are going next. So the way we do that, of course, is we turn to the all-powerful randomizer. And the TARDIS randomizer, as longtime listeners of Pull to Open know, consists of two parts. The Pull to Open Codex, which is a complete list of all the TV episodes, uh, all the way from An Unearthly Child to Legend of the Sea Devils, the current most recent episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, One day soon, we will add the power of the doctor but it has not been broadcast so not yet Mm. and uh the other part of the randomizer of course is the executor which is random.org 
which does a great Damn job it. of producing true randomness from atmospheric noise. So True randomness, because computers do algorithmic randomness, which is just a guess at randomness. It's not the same thing. But atmospheric noise, totally what the Doctor would use. And uh, yep. Peter, I've just realized that you know we, we, we are going to get some Shuti Gatwa episodes and stories in this up in this business um by by the time we finish we're going to have quite a few of them mm. and uh yeah. my goodness talk about you know the the explorations you can make of what a time traveler has to go through um <laughs> with judy Gumper. like I, I feel like rosa is sort of the the kickoff for that yeah even um, if even if we did them every week which we will mm. not <laughs> in the next couple of years it's gonna take us a while yeah um yeah. we're gonna try guys but there's gonna be some breaks We'll uh, we'll definitely get some shooty gawa before we are quote unquote done. Of course, we'll never be done. Truly, we'll never truly be done. Well, well actually, we will. The thing about this <laughs> is, it's kind of a manageable thing. I mean, it's yeah. not, you know, it's a huge task. But you know, say we can do fifty a year. I might be optimistic. <laughs> well, That's only you. four years. <laughs> my uh, my video editor <laughs> sh- is shuddering at hearing oh. that many. Sorry, my math is terrible. Episode. My math is terrible. It's actually six years. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> I'm like, if it was 200 stories we were dealing with, it'd be four years. Well, now but I know no. what to get okay. my kids for a graduation present. Um, <laughs> all right. Shall we yes. fire this up? I will be Let's the uh, reader of the codex. Mm-hmm. Chris, if you don't mind standing in your role as the executor operator. I don't mind. Um, do we want to challenge? I think we do. I think we do. Yeah. What's your challenge? Uh, I'm going to say, give us, give us another historical. I got a, I got a mm. taste for them. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. I'll take anything with a bus. Or <laughs> anything with any form of public transit. So whether oh, it's God, subway, the, train, uh, um, is it Planet of the Dead, the the tenant special you know with double decker? Yeah, we could do that. Or I would, I'd even, I'll even take a plane. Let's get some trans. Like, mm. go ahead and give us time flight. You know, give us something where Ooh. transportation features prominently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Public public transportation. I, I got a little got a little bus fixation now that we've we've done this episode. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. You're doing a transit based request i'm doing a historical based request but yeah uh okay let's see what we get you want to give me the countdown all right let's fire up the executor the countdown begins at four three two one where anything could happen 139 139 we're in old who oh time locked locked. bounced off the mark of the ronnie oh really likes the ronnie all right we got a Charge up the randomizer one more time. This is going to happen more and more. We're going to have to figure this out at some point. Yeah, some. I figured after we do a hundred, we just like take <laughs> take those hundred <laughs> out of the spreadsheet. Um, yeah, well, we're closing in. Um, yeah, we are. Yeah. All right, let's all right. Interrupt again. Three, two, one. Hello, Z. Two hundred eighty-six. It's new again. We're in New Who, but late New Who. We're in Whitaker. We're at the Witchfinders. Oh my goodness, it listened to me. It did. And it, it almost listened to you earlier because we just missed Demons of the Punjab. Or two episodes oh. out from it. Yeah. Oh, so close. But the Witchfinders, yes, wow. James the First. And the randomizer loved its taste of Whitaker. It's like, oh, give me more yeah. of this. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. All right. Give me give me some fam. Yeah. Um, yeah, Witchfinder, I, I I had some issues with that watching yeah. it, I remember, but also had some fun with it. Yeah, um, it's fun. I remember liking it generally, but we'll see. We'll see how it yeah. goes on second on second viewing. 
into it into it all right guys excited to talk yeah. yeah thanks so much everyone for listening uh this of course is pull to open it is a podcast a doctor who podcast that we hope you subscribe to either on your favorite podcast app or perhaps on youtube and if you do subscribe on youtube go ahead and hit that bell and you'll get notifications whenever we have something new to share of course you can also follow us on social we're on tiktok a lot at pull to open as well as twitter and instagram at pull to open 63 on both of those wherever you are go ahead and drop us a line leave us a review we love the reviews uh and we'd love to read them out on the air so feel free to leave one of those and we will see you next time for the witch finders yeah we'll see you in the dunking stool take care everyone see you folks